You're listening to Holy Family Parish in Hanover, Ontario, Canada. We're so glad you could join us for this presentation. For more podcasts and video, and to learn more about us, visit our website at holyfamily.ca. I'm your host, Sam, Director of Youth and Evangelization. That's what they call me. Happy to be with you here tonight on August the 5th, 2021. We are working through a theme called Taste and See. God has compassion on us. We are hungry and lost. So he sends his son, Jesus, to feed us with himself. And this is part of Letting God's Word Soak, a four-part weekly cycle that we hope you'll dive into. Get it? Dive into with the backgrounder on Tuesdays, dive into next Sunday's word, the Thursday night appetizer, of course, the Sunday homily, which is where we preach the word, and our dis- and discussion. We publish discussion questions every week so that you can think and discuss and pray more about the Sunday gospel. It's letting God's word soak into your heart in four ways each and every week. Um, I know it's changed my life a lot since we started uh, kind of doing that, and I look to the backgrounder, and I enjoy doing the Thursday night appetizer. And I hope you do as well. And I'm here with Charles, right over here in the other chair. Hello, Charles. Good evening, Sam. Great to be with uh, everyone. Great to be with you, everyone. You're not in the center of your screen. I'm often I that's a problem. sort of off-center. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Okay, great. Uh, so yeah, I, I find that um, preparing the backgrounder, which is one of the things I do, and being part of Thursday Night Appetizer, helps me to prepare to receive the word when it's preached on Sunday at Mass and to live it out throughout the week um i think it's a great thing that we need to do really that's how the church that's how god presents himself to us in a very specific way through the scripture and i love this series we're doing taste and see which reminds us that our faith in jesus is not just about ideas or beliefs it's actually about experiencing tasting uh god's presence jesus in our life and uh yeah we're continuing on with a basically a sequence mostly from john chapter 6, which is what we're looking at today. Today it's verses 41 to 51. I'm going to offer um, a little mini backgrounder, and then Sam will lead us in prayer and read the gospel. We'll take a couple minutes of silence to reflect in prayer, and then share one or two ideas or thoughts that come to us about the about the scripture, and hopefully you can join in with that as well. So um, let's take a look at a theme from this coming Sunday, and that is the verse... Um, that, that is um, found in John chapter 6, which I probably need to look at to talk about. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. He's got it up on the screen for me. I really appreciate that. Um, and he says, your ancestor, Jesus says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Well, it may seem obvious to you as you're listening or to us as we're reading that the ancestors of the people Jesus talking to, the Jews who are intrigued by who he is and what he's all about. It may seem obvious that they died, and of course it is obvious. Everybody everybody dies. It's probably like they say, 
you know, the two certainties in life are supposed to be death and taxes, right? Uh, taxes are relatively recent compared to death. Uh, but yeah, we kind of take it for granted. And a very challenging thought is that death is not something we should take for granted. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And something about death that is not actually in accord with God's plan for us and for his whole creation. God did not make death. The Book of Wisdom says that as well. So this is a really odd thought, eh? Uh, because, of course, even the Jews of Jesus' time knew that everybody died. It was pretty obvious. Take a look. We'll take a look then at verse 50, the verse following the one I just read. Then Jesus says that the bread he wants to give them, he says, I am the bread of life. That's verse 48. Verse, verse 50 says, This is the bread that came down, that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. And not die. That's a big deal. Some Jews at that time believed in the resurrection from the dead. Most did not. Many people these days do not believe in the resurrection from the dead in our society, for sure. Uh, but Jesus says that if you, if you eat this bread of life, which he says, I am the bread of life, you will not die. Um... We have to think about the fact that Jesus himself died. So he's not talking about something that is intended to be even at the moment that he announces it or in his life here on earth until he rises from the dead. And the, the fact of the resurrection, which is something handed on by testimony from the first Christians, is what makes us Christian today. If Jesus wasn't risen from the dead, Paul writes in the same thing, a uh, pastor I talked about, First Corinthians 15, our whole faith is in vain. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith is in vain. That's good for him, though, right? He, he died, he rose from the dead. But it's not enough of what God wants to do. God wants to give us all the gift, as a gift, of eternal life. How? By our faith in Jesus and by receiving him. So, Jesus is giving the people of his time a choice. You can remember back to the good old days of your ancestors. When God fed them with manna from heaven, but they ate of the manna and died. On the other hand, he says, if you eat of this living bread, which I am, you will not die. So let's uh, take a few minutes now with uh, Sam's help, lead us in prayer, and uh, he'll read the gospel, and we'll reflect on it with you. Okay, let us pray. We praise and thank you, God, our Father in heaven, for this day, for this opportunity to gather and to hear your word spoken to us. Your word is living, it's breathing, you send it out, and you know that it will bear fruit in our lives. And we pray, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to come and inspire us and fill us. Show us, Lord, the words and the phrases and the meaning behind the, the passage that we're about to read. Most of all, let it reveal your character, your love for us, your desire to know us, your desire to make us your followers, your disciples. Lord Jesus, we humbly submit ourselves to you. We ask you, Lord, to, to guide us. We ask that this time be all about you and your love. Please feed us with your word. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who has sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God, he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So, uh, Sam, whenever you're ready, we can share a bit from uh, the passage, John chapter 6, verses 41 to 51, that you just read for us. Um, okay, so the um, I just was reflecting on the, I feel it really stood out to me, the phrase, drawn by the Father. Mm. And uh, it reminds me of something we were, we were talking about with the youth a little while ago, which was um, how, you know, no, like no one comes to the Father except through me, like, mm-hmm. and, and um, this idea, I think it was, it was in uh, maybe First Corinthians, no, Ephesians, sorry, it's in Ephesians, um, where he tells them that they were destined to be his, to, destined to be followers of Christ or destined mm-hmm. to be Christian. So we talked about the idea of destiny and the yeah. idea of being chosen. And I just, I just think it's, at first when I read this, no one come to me unless drawn by the Father. Part of me thinks it seems a little unfair, you know, that like only, only the ones drawn by the Father. That it's actually not, it's a, it's a choice that we make, but not something that we do independent of being drawn by God, if that makes sense. So we're, we're sort of, um, we're, res- we're cooperating with God or responding to God. And, but, but he wants all, he wants that for everyone. So it doesn't lessen the fact that we're chosen. We're still chosen by God, um, to be, to be drawn in, to be raised up on the last day. So it's not like he just reserves that for a select few. Mm-hmm. He's very generous with that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but at the same time, it is God's action and we are just cooperating with it. Um, it's not like he sort of like puts out an ad and we respond to it. It's more like he's drawing us, like pulling us in. And uh, we can we can fight it or we can respond to it lovingly and, and willingly. Um, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, um, I was focusing on um, the line that Jesus, speaking of himself, the one who is from God, says, he has seen the Father. So what's, what is unique about Jesus is that he has seen the Father. This harks back to Moses. It's about man in the wilderness. Um, and in the first reading for this Sunday from Elijah, Elijah is on his way to see God, but he's very discouraged and God, uh, he's ready to die. God says, no, no, I'm going to feed you. So he, he sends him food through angels. Elijah strengthened, then he goes up the mountain, Mount Horeb, and there he sees God. But but actually he doesn't. Neither does Moses. Though Moses goes up Mount Sinai, God says to him, no one can see the face of God and live so when God goes by Moses up on the mountain, he only lets him see his back. Because the idea is that if you see God's face, you're, you're destroyed. You can't see the face of God and live. And what, what is absolutely unique about who Jesus is as one of us fellow human beings, which he is, certainly as he's talking to those people on that day, that's all they see, is that he is pointing to the fact that like he has actually seen the face of God, seen God himself. And like, that's another way that sometimes people talk about heaven. This, uh, some of the saints will talk about the vision of God, seeing the face of God. Um, but I always, I, I always think about it like this. If, if I could see God's face, I would, in a sense, die because I would see the truth of who I am. I, I've often thought, had that thought. It's like, I really don't want to see the whole truth of who I am because I know there are things there that I just don't want to really know about myself. Um, yeah. Only Jesus can really look on the Father's face as a completely pure person from from creation, from before creation, and and so he can he can come to us as the as the pure victim, right? Because he can see the face of God, and he can see the face of God and live. So he, that's the, the term pure victim is is used in one of the Eucharistic prayers at Mass, 
to describe the Eucharist, because Jesus is the pure victim. Well, sort of like the face of God is sort of like a light that illuminates everything about us. Right. Is that what you mean? Even a dot would like immediately create intense shadows and would like darken everything. Mm -hmm. So, Whereas Jesus can face it as the pure victim, the innocent victim. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. But I also like, I, I often think I don't actually want to see the face of God because I would feel I would be judged. Probably. Under judgment. Probably part of the uh, the notion behind purgatory as well. But, uh, in order to stand before God, we need to be purified. We need to have our our impurities, our specks yeah. removed, right? Yeah. Um, I was also just thinking it's it's kind of almost comedic <laughs> that uh, we have the same thing playing out as in, in Nazareth a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. where Jesus isn't recognized because for who he is, because everybody knows his family, and they know sure. where he came from. Well, mm-hmm. he grew up over there, and uh, I know his mom and dad. And, um, how can how can he say he's the bread that came down from heaven when he came mm-hmm. from Mary? Nazareth. They they assume from Mary and Joseph. Yeah, you know, um, just how that was that knowledge was sort of an impediment to their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, very interesting. And in John's Gospel, chapter one, verse fourteen um, says, "The Word became flesh and dwelt among us." But the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us in verse one, basically at the very beginning, John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, the reader of John's Gospel knows that. Anyway, the thing I think is, in order to live, I have to face judgment. In order to live the life that God wants me to live, which is eternal life. Like, I can't go through that without being judged by God. And I'm not looking forward to that at all. I'd like to put that off. Mm. (laughs) It's like, ugh. Yes. I think we're like well, I, I would say we're all under judgment. We can pretend otherwise, but we just are. We're under judgment. Um, I, I think this ties a lot into um, that the thing about being drawn. No one comes to the Father. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father. Um, because on our own, we're kind of reluctant. We probably want to do what Adam and Eve did, which is to go and hide. So I don't know if that makes sense. I think I think we're actually reluctant to approach God, even though He is the one we ultimately desire. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought, like, what would it be like, I, I've asked this question to lots of people, including myself, like, how would you feel if you, just to put it like this, if you could meet Jesus face to face, how would you feel? It's like at an emotional level alone. Have you thought about that? Oh, well, yeah. And I, I mean, I react similar to the way you, you were just reacting that. Yeah. The fact that he knows, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that he, he sees through the facade that I put up for other people. Do you? Yes. Me too. Do you, do you too? Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about this earlier, I think, at lunch, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you, for sure. Like, he, he would know. And I, I think the fact that that I know he knows, sort of, you know? Yeah. It's a little bit like, um, I don't know, I'm, well, maybe you've had this experience, but like where you kind of avoid somebody that you know has like, you know, knows some things about you that maybe you don't want mm-hmm. known. It's like a secret or something. And, yeah, you know, there's a tendency to avoid that person and almost for fear that I think in that case where for fear that they would bring it up or that they'd sort of be judging you quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like w- when we're face to face with Jesus, we won't have that part of it because we'll also see, I think we'll see, go ahead. I think we'll see judgment. Yeah. But it'll be quickly overshadowed by his mercy. That's what I think. Oh yeah. I think that's really important. Otherwise there's no way you wouldn't be able to no stand way. there. You would be yeah, like Moses, be you know, you'd be like, why couldn't Moses see the face of God? Mm-hmm. Because he would have been, he would have died. Right. Yeah. It would, it would be like that. We, we wouldn't be able to take it, the, the guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I guess I maybe 
this is just poetic poetically speaking but like that we do see it for a moment but then we realize the the magnitude of what he did for us on the cross right the the his the depth of his personal Mm -hmm. sacrifice for each of us i think we'll know that personal very very intimately and that will like wash over and become joy and i i think that's i guess that's how i picture it happening i hope that's how it happens hopefully i'm not just like you know oh no i really screwed up and jesus doesn't want me i think a lot of people feel or think even if they don't acknowledge what you just said it's like what if jesus doesn't want me Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that's uh first reading again elijah he's being pursued by the soldiers of queen jezebel and king ahab and he's basically he's in he's in complete despair he just says to god i just want to die he's suicidal yeah he's not actively killing himself but he's going to stop eating you're just going to lie there in the wilderness like it would be better for me to be dead i wish i was dead yeah yeah yeah. Mm. and uh god's this is i think part of being drawn to god is god sends him food and tells him to eat to be strengthened because actually god wants to meet him Mm -hmm. maybe that's another way of putting it i think that's really interesting what about this thought not only God already knows who we are and knows everything about us and knows us completely from the inside out, but that's not the same thing as maybe God wants to meet you. Like God actually wants to meet you. He he thinks you're pretty great. He loves you so much. He actually wants to meet you. And that, that possibility of not just that God knows me even from the inside, but even that God and I can encounter each other and that we can, in a sense, speak or converse or have a relationship those are all just human words and that but like but the point is we think we want god or need god or want god to help us and everything i actually wonder if maybe we should say god wants us more than we want him like god really 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 wants us to know well, us. This, this ties in with um i'm the bread that came down from heaven right and and the whole like and the you've mentioned uh, john chapter one but like mm-hmm. the mystery of the incarnation which is that um god made the first step yeah actually the only step right mm-hmm. um there were all these all these efforts that humans made to sort of yeah. restore the relationship yeah. and achieve god's earn god's favor right? yeah and ultimately at the end of the day it's only because god wants us so badly mm-hmm. that he became human that he came and was born of a virgin and lived his life here on earth and at the in the end suffered and died for us so that we could so we could be reconciled with god that's the gospel right yep but it's because he wants to know you so badly like mm-hmm. you said like he's so <clears throat> in fact like desperately recklessly like that song you know reckless love yeah. i guess i do know that song yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. like that the idea of it being a reckless love it was so reckless that he like <laughs> he left his throne like he yeah he kind of basically threw it away he threw his right? life away he threw his life away for us for you yeah for, for you listening and if you're if you're one of these people this is very common i'm glad charles mentioned it but like this is something i hear a lot I, you don't really hear it a lot but you like you get the sense mm-hmm. that people are like expecting that they won't be good enough yep they've almost got that despair that elijah has yep we're like basically i'm gonna stop trying because i screwed up so bad and sure it's just you know how basically the, the the sentiment is how could god ever love me or want me right after what i've done after what has happened um that's a very it's very understandable mm-hmm. but couldn't be farther from the truth it's it's you that god threw it away for recklessly and became human for yeah i was thinking you're the one the there's a book in the bible the song of songs it's the song of solomon hmm. 
And it's it's a crazy book. Yeah. Because it's probably the weirdest I have to say it's probably the weirdest I think book it's in the, the weirdest Bible, book don't in the you Bible. think? Yeah. It's basically about two lovers, a man and a woman, um, and their intense passion for each other. Um and it appears that Bell and the Dragon is a pretty weird part of the book. That's only in Catholic Bible. Yeah. It's at the end of Daniel, right? Yeah, yeah, but that's weird in the sense like, okay, that's like sounds like a so weird story it sounds like a mythical a mythical story experience but the weird thing about song of songs bell and dragon actually has to do with like fighting evil or something right this is like just like these people love each other so much and they're they're passionately love and and have great desire for each other and uh it's like really serious questions when when the when the the first christians under the guidance of of the church as a whole were putting the bible together should we even keep this and even amongst the jews it's like why is this book here because it, it's not the story of Israel. It's not moral teaching. Mm-hmm. It's, it's um, I mean, a fancy word for it would be mystical, right? It's it's like, it's really, though, it's just about love. And one of my it's favorite... It's like the romance novel of the Bible. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy. But I, I like this line. Um, I'm, I'm actually opening my Bible to look at it. Chapter 8, uh, where it says, Stern as death is love relentless as the netherworld is devotion its flames are a blazing fire deep waters cannot quench love nor floods sweep it away i mean that's pretty intense right and that the whole point of that is this is this is god's love for his people for you for me for all of us it's like it's actually i think this is the problem it's overwhelming it's actually uh you love me a little less intensely god because it's actually too getting kind of weird i don't really like this um it's what's funny is you like a, the yeah. Song of Songs is, is based on a re, probably a real love story, yeah. Right? And they're that this looks look like flamboyant language, sure, that lovers use for each other, you know, yep, yep, um, about each other. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like outside of normal experience, like mm-hmm. you're right, it's like it's it's overwhelming, it's too much. Like, we, we actually like I love my wife a lot, but the language in there is like even over the top even like sort of beyond that you know right so the, the the closest we can come to it would be like uh the shakespeare play romeo and juliet this people these two young the teenagers who love each other so much they end up killing each other killing they, they would rather die than be than be a, than be apart, separated right be separated yeah. yeah they basically commit suicide which is obviously wrong but it really shakespeare uses that play to point out that uh the families are, try, are turned against each other trying to turn them against each other and there's a there's a friar a franciscan friar who marries them before they die, mm-hmm. even though they end up dying in despair. But it's really the point of the play is to point out that this, this, these human systems we create, even family sometimes, or political violence, which was between those two families um, in Verona, is like no, love is actually stronger than death itself. And and the friar blesses them, even though he knows how they died. Uh, it's really important to recognize that Shakespeare really incorporated Catholic themes about grace and mercy and god's forgiveness anyway i know i'm going off on a bit of a tangent but just like crazy passionate love like the kind of love that is really foolish that teenagers have teenagers have for each other not even like 30 year old people who fall in love or whatever it's like crazy yeah. passionate love. i would die without you yeah i can't live without you yeah like yeah that. yeah all the all the crazy pop songs mm-hmm. but as you say reckless love right i mean there's there's a lot to that and it's so okay this all sounds good in theory but like in reality, what does this look like, mm-hmm. Sam? <laughs> Don't look at me. Okay, here's a, here's something we can probably relate to. I can. Going back to Elijah from the first reading, the the alternative to all of this is just like 
giving up, just Roll giving over and up. Die. And I know I can relate to that. Probably even today itself, there's been a moment or moments so I was like, oh my goodness, I just can't take that anymore. Whatever it is, right? Like the psalmist said, like, let the hills cover me. Isn't that oh, okay. The psalms? Yeah, it sounds like let it. Let the hills cover me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I just, I wish I basically could bury myself in a hole and be forgotten. Despair. There's a lot, a lot of despair in the psalms. Yeah. Enjoy. Um, yeah, I think that I think the amazing thing about you were saying there's a choice, right? Yeah. Well, it's either to, ro- to roll over and die, or I would say though, I think our inclination um, is to choose death. Our, in our fallen human nature, we tend towards despair. Mm-hmm. We tend towards it, um, and actually, that is not God's will. So, like God, God, God needs to fight against us in the sense that we have given up on ourselves and God says, no, I have not given up on you. You may give up on yourself, but I have not. That's actually really important. Now that might be helpful. I have definitely been around people who have been much deeper in despair than I've been. And it's like, I can't make them live. It's not up to me. I can't even make them want to live, but just by being there and like looking at them as a person saying, I'm, I'm going to be here for you. I'm here for you now. I'm going to be here for you. I think it makes a huge difference to people, right? You probably experienced that. Mm-hmm. What's it like to to like be around someone who's given up? <laughs> uh, well, I'm definitely not an expert. But you've been around people who've given up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, yeah. This kind of, like I mean, this course sort of comes back to the idea of accompaniment that we've talked about before on there's mm-hmm. an appetizer. Yeah. There's I'm I'm sort of realizing that a lot of the time, the best thing you can offer someone is your presence. Yeah. And you you know. You know, I, I think this this would be like this would sort of concur with like modern thinking on on uh, you know despair and like mm-hmm. you know someone who's maybe you know even thinking like like Elijah you know my life's over you know yep. there's often nothing you can say you know there's really no words it's not a good time to say well maybe you should just pray about it or you know like here's some arguments here's some reasons you know, that you some, should some do reasons that. some arguments or, yeah. or like solutions yeah I know like I find that like I'm I'm the kind of person that always wants to solve everything. I like mm-hmm. to come up with solutions, you know, like a, you know, like something's broken. I want to fix it. You know, mm-hmm. you, sometimes you just can't fix it, but you can be there yeah. to go through it with the person. Um, whatever that means. Sometimes it means accompanying them, walking with them for a, for a short time, maybe even just for a few minutes, maybe for an hour, maybe for longer. Yeah. But being willing to be that, you know, to to be Christ in the flesh for people. You know, Jesus with skin on. I forget who said that. You know where he where he is yeah pre- he is present to the world in some senses through us and why we value value is not even the right why we revere use the word presence presence of jesus in the eucharist is because that is him coming to be with us like mm-hmm. that is you said presence is what sometimes the only thing you can offer someone else mm-hmm. is in despair it's like that's well, what he offers us right he offers us his presence that is and this is really important is like the living bread that came down from heaven. So I'm not from heaven, from earth. Um, that's good. But heaven is like completely beyond us and yet takes flesh in our midst and, and his presence comes to be part of our lives. And there's nothing, there's nothing greater than that. It's, it's so like, uh, I was, I'm struck by how humble it's just the term St. Francis used to describe the Eucharist. It, it's a sign of humility to come in the form of, of bread, the simple form of bread. Your friend sure St. Francis. Well, he was a humble, he was a humble guy. Okay. He's just a weirdo. I don't like him. You can recognize humility even in people who might be weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just not convinced he wasn't just totally insane. 
and that they are just making a big mistake the whole canonization thing wait wait a minute <laughs> you don't have to be sane to be a saint i'm just kidding in fact okay he's, this, not this, one of, he's not one of my favorites i think it's probably because people i don't know i think it's almost just like i'm just kind of sort of rebellious about it everyone else thinks he's great and i'm kind of like mm. yeah whatever barefoot in the winter walked around naked the point of that i can see what you're saying I do, although i disagree with you um i can just think of like a million better saints like oh not a million you name one like real heroes like like Sean Bray buff what about saint philip neri saint philip neri um isaac Jogue. there are lots of saints i think actually that's maybe Francis a, xavier the thing i would say is why we revere the saints has nothing to do with themselves and they would say that in the first place it's like whatever whichever saint man or women from long ago or from recently it's like like you said, Christ with Jesus with skin on in the present. It's like mm-hmm. his presence doesn't end at the mass after we receive Jesus in the form of bread, which is what we Christians, Catholics believe in particular. It's like, okay, well then we're his presence. We're like Paul writes that already in First Corinthians twelve and other places. We're the body of Christ. You you become incorporated. Yeah. Right? The the word like him, you mm-hmm. know, to made part of the fl- made flesh right yeah, yeah. you become incorporated in, into christ when mm-hmm. you receive the eucharist and then you go and you are christ yeah right you are actually you know maybe i'm being heretical can mm-hmm. i say something heretical on you i'll tell you if it's heretical okay as best i can you become in some sense the bread of life right or like because you become yeah. incorporated into christ you become the bread of life for other okay. people and you go into the dark and despairing recesses of the world where people are and they are really suffering mm-hmm. and you go there bearing the light being the light of christ right and and being with them and being present to them in a way that jesus that's that's how he is present with them is through you and i we have a major problem with christians catholics in particular holding back on that keeping it to ourselves hiding it from the world yeah i'm just gonna say it there i said it well i don't think problem. it was heretical i think i think it relates to the way that we are, we we become what we receive, as Saint Augustine says, mm-hmm. when we receive the Eucharist. You are what you eat. Yeah, and and that we become like the bread that God sent from heaven to strengthen Elijah. Mm-hmm. We, we become bread from heaven, not in our own right. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's that would make it. That's what makes it not heretical. It's not in our own right. <laughs> well, it's not, not, bec- it's not, yeah, we don't become the Eucharist. Right. So, like, I'm not from heaven, as you probably know, as I said before. However, I think this is too where uh, the other thing that can happen with people is that. I think it's possible to feel like you are responsible for someone else's life and you you need to provide everything for them that they need and you can't do that and that's really important as much as we are to share and give of ourselves to those who need someone to be present and to bring god's love to them at the same time we cannot be everything for anyone else not even for one other person we can't do it and we shouldn't try and that's that's where i think people run into troubles like kind of burn out you get angry resentful bitter um, if you try to be everything, so does the person you're trying to help. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah. you failed, you will fail them. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess that's something I try to keep in mind is uh, is I will fail you, right? Mm-hmm. If someone feels like they need me, I got news for you. I'm not your hope. I'm not the one. Mm-hmm. I'm not the chosen one. Yeah. So I'm just a guy. This is part of let being, you down. Going back to your phrase, like uh, Johnny Cash's song. I'm no, just a guy, I'm gonna let you it's down. Not Johnny, Johnny Cash. Song. It's yeah. um, Nine Inch Nails. Not Johnny, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash Johnny recorded Cash. it. It's called Hurt. Oh, okay. Uh, I will let you down. Hmm. I want to go back to your phrase. No one, no one can come to me unless drawn by the Father. That means also that when we offer ourselves to other people, that's part of being drawn to the Father, is that we're drawing others with us 
and it's not it's not about us as individuals it's it's about um all of us being drawn together because there's the sense in which uh as paul writes jesus is the new adam adam is like one all of humanity in one is represented in the bible by just by adam um and jesus is being the new adam is that adam who is now being lifted up revived resurrected got something for us to listen to no not necessarily but so the song's called hurt johnny cash johnny cash it's really worth listening to Hmm. i i think uh, i don't know why i thought of him at the end of this Mm -hmm. because we're talking about letting people down yeah you letting people down yeah yeah me in particular you know um not that this is your homework or anything viewers but you should listen to the song i i he is he's kind of a tragic figure he had a really rough life yeah like a, a really successful life but in the background was really suffering and going through a lot of putting other people through a lot. Oh my gosh. Um, what, what a story, but like towards the end of his life, he realized in a way, um, what had happened, like what he had done. Yeah. And there was like a repentance that took place and an almost yeah. like an attempt at atonement and hurt, I think captures it really well. He sings it. he's quite old when he sings it. Yeah. And, um, it's not his song, but just it's hard. It's actually kind of hard to watch. So, I recommend you. It's a good, really good to listen to. And think about this, like, I don't know, almost like, uh, think about the people that you know that are that are hurting, that they, they need the bread of life in their life. They and also the life that it provides. Yeah, and, and I, like the, I like the word encouragement. Because to encourage is to actually to share courage with or to give courage to. So when we recognize Jesus as the bread of life, who's coming to us, it's okay. It means, okay, I don't have to give up. Even if I don't see the way right now, um, God has come to me and is and is saying to me, I'm going to be with you no matter what. Um, and what happens after that, we can't predict, but it's going to be great. So that's that's a hope for all of us. I think that's a good place to end. Sure. You want to end with prayer? Yep. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we are hurting. Some of us are hurting a lot today. Uh, so we we recognize that we are hurting and some of us are despairing ready to give up maybe we have given up some some people here may have given up maybe it's me at some point today as well but god we know that you send us your son jesus christ and we turn to his word for encouragement the living word of god which is the scripture and there we find this incredible promise that jesus says all the blessings that you have given us which sustain this life are nothing nothing compared to who he is for us the living bread that came down from heaven thank you for the gift of jesus through the power of the holy spirit Thank you for the gift of Jesus given to us as our faith shows us and the Bible reveals to us. Jesus himself says, and the living bread that comes down from heaven, may we be drawn evermore to, to you through, through our faith in Jesus to receive him in this journey here on earth and to be uh, rejoicing with you, Father, Son, and Spirit in heaven. Amen. All right. Thanks, Charles, for that closing prayer. And thank you, viewers, for watching, those watching live and those who will watch this in the future. We hope you enjoyed the Thursday Night Appetizer this week on Thursday, August 5th. And we hope that this helps you prepare for Mass this weekend for the readings and to allow the Word of God to soak into your life. Yes. So we will see you again next week. And uh, God bless everybody. And have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.